everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League podcast with me, John Phipps, and a man who will no doubt be glad to hear that I'm in a much better mood than when I saw him on Monday night, uh, Mr. Matt Gerrard. He's on the phone now. Um, he made me delay this podcast for about five minutes, so I want to check that everything's all right. How are you, Matt? Yeah, good, good. Not too bad. Uh, just stuff at work I have to deal with. Uh, we've got people from across the world here, so I was talking to them, and I, I'm sure if I've mentioned I'm going to record the Kent Non-League podcast, they go, oh, go ahead. That major uh, podcast that travels the world, they didn't seem the kind of people that would that be that interested. So, um, yeah, here we go. It's starting to rain now, so uh, I think, uh, yeah, the lovely weather that we had last week's um, a little bit disappointing. But apart from that, yeah, all's good. Season's coming to a close, John. Not many more episodes before the end of the season, is there? No, exactly. There's not. I think we must only be about another five or six, and then that'll be it for us for this season. So, um, oh, yeah, we'll have to start uh, contract negotiations for season three, won't we? Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, we haven't got a sponsor this week, though, John. The last two weeks have been brilliant because uh, we've got a couple of sponsors. What was the first sponsor again? Uh, Baylor's Guest House in Eastbourne, mate. Yeah, so, and last week was the uh, Cricketers Pub Quiz on a Thursday night with Tom. So, uh, again, we did put a tweet out if people wanted a sponsor, even if it was just to wish uh, uh, somebody a birthday. But we didn't have any pickups. But um, we would love a sponsor um, to pick it up, really. So, um, shame. Nobody's got one, so what should we say? Today is sponsored by... Invisible Man. Invisible Man or Invisible Man's Weather. So uh, we maybe won't go with the sponsor. So we are in negotiations. Hopefully somebody will contact us, but no sponsor this week. Disappointing. Yeah, I should point out, it, it really, if anyone did want to sponsor this podcast, it really would cost you a lot. I mean, you know, we'd be quite happy with a couple of pints, to be honest. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, but it would just be nice and it would get you out there. and it, Yeah, it'd be, it would be lovely. It's... Uh, yeah, well, uh, I, suppose, well, I suppose the scaffold hasn't got a sponsor at the moment, has it? And I presume companies may want to go to that sort of division to sponsor rather than us. But we will give you uh, a good mention. We, you know, we don't say anything too controversial, so uh, it's not going to hurt your brand. But we'd love it. So um, again, maybe if you if you wanted to sponsor the last few programs of the series just to see how it goes, and then maybe take into negotiations start of next season, that could be the way forward. John, well, basically, we're giving you. Five weeks free. What, what kind of sponsorship is that? Well, exactly. Fantastic. And obviously, you, you mentioned that the Scaffold uh, don't have a sponsor. They they nearly did on Monday on that day of hilarious japes uh, when they said that they were going to be sponsored by Marmite um, for uh, next season and beyond, and, and that the Challenge Cup was going to be called the uh, Peanut Butter with Marmite uh, competition. So, it, Marmite, if you're interested, I, I'm a lover. I'm, I'm happy. If Marmite, oh, I'm a big involved. fan of Marmite. Big fan of Marmite. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Who, who makes Marmite? Uh, Dave I'm not Marmite. a fan of peanut butter. I love peanut, but I'm not a fan of peanut butter. So, but Marmite is, yeah. As we can't have bread, that's a staple at the weekend. Bread with Marmite, I and mean, of course, can't have it at the moment. So, um, while we're talking about Marmite, and uh, again, I will say I'm a huge fan of the product. Uh, it's made by Unilever, by the way. Um, not not yeah. Dave Marmite, as I just uh, said just <laughs> a minute ago. Um, but um, yeah, big fan of Marmite. Love it on rolls. Love it on toast. Love it. Um, yeah, just in those two scenarios, and a sandwich, I suppose. Um, have you ever had the Marmite chocolate? No, I don't think I'm not really that big fan of chocolate. So, um, um, no, I think that would probably be disgusting. Is it nice? Correct. It's vile. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, I, I like Marmite. I like chocolate. I had about one square of the stuff. I got bought it um, from one of my birthdays a long time ago now, um, and. Hayley was like, oh, you're going to love it. And I took one bite and I was like, that is grim. It is, oh, oh. Can it's you still buy that, can you? Uh, yeah, you can, yeah. 
Uh, so no, I do miss. But when I went to Australia, turned into a big Vegemite fan because you oh, couldn't get it over mate. there. And uh, when I came back, my mum used to have the sandwiches. Uh, I used to have Vegemite quite a bit, but then I went off it and went back to Marmite. Marmite is the king. So again, when I there's so much thing when you don't eat bread for so long, you don't realise how much you miss stuff. So basically, um, you know that will be high on the priorities of having a bit of Marmite on uh, Marmite on toast. I look forward to that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, the Marmite chocolate though. Well, no, not for me. Um, we had our first Australian staying at, uh, at the uh, at the guest house uh, the last couple of days as well, so that's been quite nice. You know, we're, we're branching. What part of Australia were they from? Uh, Sydney. All right. So we're branching well, they, out. Visit, they work or work or pleasure? Uh, visiting family, so pleasure. All right. All right, very nice. Yeah, we, we've had people from all over. We've had people from Spain, uh, Norway, Denmark, Germany, France. Um, Russia, America, Australia. So you know, it, it's it's really fascinating. So you get to see lots and lots of people from uh, all different walks of life. But I don't think any of them have quite been converted to the non-league podcast. Yet. Do we have someone from uh, in between Dover and Canterbury the other day and the other week? Um, and he was a fan of um, BBC Radio Kent's Dover commentator. So he said, "Yeah, good man. Yeah. Do, do, what would you say? I don't want to alienate your customer base. Out of all the nations you just listed there, what would you say was the most friendliest?" We could put that out there. Um, do you know what? Of the foreigners, they've all been friendly, apart from the Germans that we slung out. But do, do you know what? They, they've all been really, really, really nice people. Um, I think, by and large, the Germans have all been pr- pretty friendly. I say the, the one exception that I suppose proves the rule. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Germans are, are nice, and the Scandinavians are, are always a, a, a lovely bunch of people. And surprise, and it may be a surprise, but the Russian people have also been really, really nice as well. So, you know, it's, um, I, I'm not going to say that I prefer one over the other. I love them all, and anybody who shows me the colour of their money to stay in my guest house, I, I love them all. It's a big world, but it's a small world as well. That's, that's a bit deep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, last week you also texted me, but you didn't let me know. We were talking about famous people from eSport, and you said you found somebody who was famous, and I said to him, well, if they're that famous, if you saw them, would they say, you're listening to the Kent Notley podcast sponsored by maybe somebody in the future? Are they the kind of people who would do that for us? Well, you didn't tell me how famous they were, or even fact who they were. Well, I would say that this person, I don't know, having Googled him, uh, I don't know if he definitely lives in Eastbourne, but he's been seen in Eastbourne a lot lately. He may live in Bexhill, just down the road. But I do believe that, yes, he is the sort of person who would do that sort of thing for us. Um, I might as well tell you who it is. It's Eddie Izzard. Oh, right. All right. Yeah, yeah, probably would. Yeah, so um, I do like... Does he do these... Yeah, my sister was a big fan of him when he would see him in concert. He probably runs marathons and... I think he's big in the Labour Party, isn't he? So, there you go. All right. So, I think you probably would. That would be, if you could do that, that would probably put at least 10 more listeners on. Eddie Hazard would probably... He could probably say it in French because he does um, uh, stand-ups in French as well. He's a very clever man. Yeah, very I reckon. Clever. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that would be amazing. Yeah, and also yeah. going back to a couple of weeks ago when I said I'd seen some bona fide famous on uh, in in Eastbourne. Um, obviously, you're at work, so you won't have seen it. But they are currently running the competition uh, in um, on this morning and loose women 
where Lisa Snowden and Kimberly Walsh are on the beach in the pier in Eastbourne saying, it's fantastic here, look at it, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, you know, if, if perhaps you could uh, record those programmes and, and just watch it later and you might even see um, the, the beauty of, of Eastbourne, Matt. Oh, right. Uh, you haven't got you waving behind manically holding up We Love the Kenton League podcast on a little placard, is it? No, I, I didn't have my We Love the Kenton League pla- podcast placard with me that day, unfortunately. Uh, disappointing, disappointing. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. Also, we're going to talk about as well, John, before we get going into the football thing, uh, people might want to fast forward. FIFA want the National League on it, don't they? Well, th- th- well, this is not, it's not necessarily the FIFA want it. Someone oh, has started a campaign to get uh, the National League teams onto the next FIFA game, uh, FIFA 2020 as it will be. Um, and uh, I think that the campaign of the petitions got quite a few signatures um, and people are very interested and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not fussed either way, but uh, someone messaged me when the when the news was announced that um, the girls would be getting a Xbox or PlayStation, whether they effing well wanted it or not, should Dover Athletic appear on a future game of FIFA, uh, which then led to a conversation uh, on Twitter, which I was partly involved in, um, and a line that still makes me chuckle when I think about it, from one of Matt Gerrard's friends saying, some of my players are still in the EA Sports Hospital. So I'm guessing, Matt, you're quite dirty on this game. Yeah, we used to go, you know, before you, you know, kids and life and things like that, we used to go around probably every couple of weeks or every couple of months, somebody's house to play FIFA. I've never had a, uh, an Xbox, so we'd go around somebody else's houses and, and you'd have set up a tournament, a few beers, uh, and I was never any good at these games. There's always somebody who's brilliant at it because they've, oh, they've got it in their house and they're constantly playing it. So after I'm about, you know, you know, Real Madrid against Bayern Munich and I'm 3-0 down after 10 minutes. So I just like start pressing every single button and try and get as many players set up. I just get so frustrated with the with the sins. And I, basically, I'm known as, you know, any chance of through on goal, forget the ball, just try and cane somebody as much as you can. I think I had players set off left, right and centre. So, uh, very good memory. So, yeah, I do like a foul and basically... As soon as the defender gets it, he just lumps it up to the big lad up front. But it's rudimental 1980s crazy gang football if you play me on FIFA. But if David did go on there and I had to buy a PlayStation, which would be... So I'll have to explain to my wife why we're doing this, but it'd be quite a, a big thing. I might get quite good at it because, of course, my nephew's got it. Go around there and he's like Lincoln against Barcelona. And again, after about five minutes, I'm about 6-0 down. So maybe that's my could go ahead and try and be decent at FIFA if I actually brought it if I had time to play it of course hypothetical situation though with what you've just said about how if you're losing the game you start kicking all the buttons um, let's just say um, that it, you're playing Dover Athletic against um, Mates, uh, Ebbsfleet United obviously Maidstone probably wouldn't uh, be on it uh, unfortunately and let's just say hypothetically that um, you're being Ebbsfleet United and your opponent, uh, let's call her Megan, is running through on goal, only the goalkeeper to beat, uh, to get a last-minute win with Ine Effiong in, in the control pad. Do you hack her down and stop her scoring? 110%, yes. Break the player's leg. God, oh, sorry, game over. It's a draw. We both played well. That's what I don't know. Of course it is. Of course it is. Excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. Um, what a man you are, Matt Gerald. Anyway, it's our 78th episode of the Kent Non-League podcast this week. Uh, obviously a big number in the record game because obviously you had your 33s, your 45s and your, and your 78s. Um, a bit before my time, but I'm guessing Grandad Gerard, you probably had a decent record player back in the day. Yeah, I mean, that did, I think he's still got up in the loft actually with these Rod Stewart records and... Um, 
David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. I remember that one. So, uh, 78, isn't there, 78, wasn't there a band called 78? 78, 70, no, maybe not. Seems like I've got the number, I've got the number, I mean, it was 78. It's World Cup 78, I suppose, in Argentina. Oh, that's, that's probably the only thing I can think of. I think my wife was born in 78. Yes, my wife was born in 1978. That is the other reason I know that year as well. And Very good. Argentina 78. You remember that in the nick of time, didn't you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on and talk about the football then. And we're going to start in the Bostic League South East Division this week, where uh, interesting uh, goings on at Winch's Field. There was a couple of bits about uh, floating around a couple of weeks ago that all wasn't well behind the scenes at Herne Bay. Uh, and then on Saturday uh, afternoon, at quarter past three, uh, this appeared on Facebook. I'm going to read this out word for word. Uh, director's statement. Sad news. The social media trolls have finally won the day. The management team have been hounded out of the club and as such the club are playing Whiteleaf with Anthony Deer taking the team. Whether we will have a team to field next Saturday is in the lap of the gods. Relegation back to the scaffold looks to be inevitable. Whether there will be a club next season is unclear. The board have put so much effort over the years but the past two weeks have become so demoralising. These keyboard warriors who hide behind false titles post what they like without knowing the full facts, criticising the board and their decisions, and it is these individuals who have destroyed this football club. Hopefully we can all get behind and support Anthony for the remaining games, and it's signed by the directors. Well, Anthony Deer, um, who's someone who I've, I've known for a few years, actually, who, because he'd been manager of the ladies' team at Herne Bay uh, when I used to do, do cover them in the paper, uh, led his team to a 2-1 win at Whiteleaf on Saturday, um, but even despite, uh, but after that, we thought it was only fair to catch up with one of the Herne Bay managers, or the now former Herne Bay manager. So Matt caught up with former Herne Bay manager, John Embry. A difficult week or a difficult couple of weeks for the club. Can you explain how this has come about? Because it's, uh, you know, it's, the club hasn't really come out of this in a, a very good light, has it, I don't think? Um, it's been an awkward one, to be fair. I said they've got... You know, there's been a few behind-the-scenes. John Barfurst, Ron Bonney and uh, Bill Dordoy. They've been brilliant, trying to keep the club afloat. And um, it's just been... Others have not really pitched in and done what they should have done. And uh, not helped them out enough, if I'm being honest. And who are those uh, other people, would you say, is that? Well, I mean, some people just overstep the mark. Like, no disrespect to them. Like, you've got people that overstep the mark. Like, like the vice-chairman was getting involved in things he shouldn't have got involved in and... Uh, it caused problems. Uh, then all of a sudden you had a problem with the fans because of it. Because, like, you know, if you're a director, you shouldn't be getting involved on Facebooks and fan, fan web pages and stuff. You know, he should be keeping himself separate, couldn't help himself and cause more problems than, than needed to be, to be fair. Uh, did, did, you know, so you, you've, you've left the club. It, is that, uh, by your own decision, you thought it was, it was the best thing to do because of this? You can't believe this... Is going to go any better for how the club is run at the moment? Well, uh, do you know what? It, it's the problem we've got, as I said, is that, that the, the, the the chairman and the, the directors, you know, they can't keep funding it like they have been, and uh, it's got to a point where they need some help. They've not had the, the financial help with them, and it's made life hard. If I'm being honest, uh, but they're a great bunch, like John as a John Bon and, and Bill are brilliant. Um, but then you've got others who was meant to step up, haven't, uh, you know, caused, as it caused more problems than, than, than they should have, really. And the Cubs have been, not been able to get enough sponsorship in, which is always going to be hard on resources. 
Uh, sort of, to, to run a club at that sort of level, I know you've got a lot of youngsters in. How much sort of it, it is quite a bit of money needs to be done, isn't it? And again, clubs at that level are struggling in with the, maybe the current climate of the country as well to bring in sponsorship. Would you say? But it is a tough job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, as you said, as you said with Brexit and everyone else, everyone's trying to keep hold of their money, so they've been careful. Because it's, it's a knock-on effect on everything, like building companies, everyone. So everyone's a bit, you know, a bit shy in, in putting their money into sponsorship, which makes life harder. Um, and then, you know, with, with the young team that we've got, you know, some of these clubs that do have a lot of financial power, I mean, there's some teams in our league that are spending crazy sums of money per week. And then that you know, overinflates the market with the young players, and all of a sudden the, the fifty pound player's gone. Usually, you know, two three years ago you could get loads of players with fifty pounds. Now you've got to start everything to three figures. You know, and I'm talking about you talk, you talk to seventeen and eighteen year olds, and you go, yeah, in fact, you're coming over. Next thing you know, they're going, oh yeah, well I've been offered one twenty year, one twenty there, and you're like, Jesus Christ, you know. But you know, you're a, you're a young lad, you haven't even proved yourself at this level yet, and. Some of the money they're getting up, they're asking for is ridiculous. So you know, money for the top flight. You think it, people see what the Premier League boys are earning, and the younger boys coming through think they can, you know, not on the same sort of level of that, but they think there's more money to be made rather than getting yourself in the game and then building, moving up the pyramid. Hundred percent. We've always said in Jermaine, it's, it's one of those ones where you know, until you played fifty games, you haven't proved anything. If you get fifty games under you, but you've got a little bit of experience behind you, and then you've shown that you, you, know, you can survive at this level. But you've got some players who said haven't even got a pedigree, just, you know, just look like a good young player, asking way too much money. And the, and the amount of them that have agents now is, is amazing as well. You know, talking at Bostick level and they've got agents and you're like, wow. You know, and uh, it just, it just it, the costs have just skyrocketed, as I said. Like, And then you've got some teams that are paying way too much money for players and then everyone thinks they should be getting paid that because they all talk, all the players talk. Yeah. So they've got one of their mates who's he's playing for, I, don't know, I won't mention the team, but I know there's, for example, there's a couple in our league that are paying crazy amounts and there's some 18-year-olds on £300 a week, mm. which is, you know, that level is, is outrageous, but they're paying it. But then all the other 18 you know, I think they should be getting that because they've played a few games. So it makes it a, an unrealistic environment when you talk to players. But ultimately, you'll always get some manager or some chairman wanting the dream and they're prepared to throw silly amounts of money at it, which causes a knock-on effect to all the rest of the clubs. The, the club released a statement about when you departure that the social media trolls had finally won the day. Is that the reason why you left the club? You, you just think your position was untenable? Um, well, no. The reason, why we, the reason why we left the club, because, I mean... Up till Saturday, we were still we still could have took it back over. You know, we we had this conversation with John, and we left the club in a good position. We've left him out of the relegation area. We've, um, you know, we brought a young a lot of young talent there, and uh, we made sure that the changeover was seamless. You know, we, I mean, I still picked the team for Saturday's game. I mean, I picked the team, the subs, the starters, everything. All they had to do was just roll someone in front of it and let them play it. Mm. So kind of done a lot of stuff behind the scenes to make sure that the team was in a good position when we left but the reason why we did leave is because you get one or two fractions of people and as I said you know the, you know, the assistant uh, the, um, uh, the vice chairman who, who left because he overstepped the mark too many times staying talking when he shouldn't have been talking and, and saying stuff when he hadn't, didn't know the facts do you know what I mean mm. so where he, where he did do that what happened then was he then he on the back of that because we resigned a few weeks ago yeah. but on the back of that he then went and um, you know 
started a social media campaign almost because he's got his, 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 he's got his kids and they go to the ground and watch games and stuff. And then they got a little following and then, and just everything we did then was like scrutinised and you know like it was like you, know, you don't need the aggravation of it. You're like seriously, like you know it, it gets beyond ridiculous. You've been there. You've um, been there just so over a couple of years. But you're proud of what you've achieved with the club because uh, you know no, you've brought in a lot of young players. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 at one point we probably had the youngest team in the country playing at senior level. Um, you know, you look at the team over the last few weeks, I think we've had one player, the goalkeeper, over 21. Everyone else has been 17, 18, 19, 20, you know. And we've given a lot of lads their chances. And on the back, they've done really, really well. I mean, Callum, Sam McCallum went to Coventry. Um, you know, Tom Colton's moved on to Hive. Jake, my son's gone to Maidstone United. Um, you know, there's, there's interest in other boys in the club, in the team, which we knew about. So, yeah, you know, it's been brilliant for us because they've, they've, they've learnt their trade the hard way, the boys. And, you know, this season's been a bit testing, but even better players because they've always been used when they were young to doing really, really well. And this year they've had a period where they've been right under the cosh, but they've had to learn and learn quickly on the job. Because, you know, to go, we went like nine points adrift at one point. And, you know, for them to basically the same group to knuckle down, work harder in training, ask them to keep believing in what we was asking them to do, they've done that brilliantly. And, and they, they pulled themselves around. And they said, like, from, I think from, like, end of November to, to now, we've gone from relegation form. We haven't dropped out of the top four or top five in the, in the, um, in the form guide for the rest of the season. But we needed to do that to make sure we didn't get relegated. So... It's been brilliant. The boys, are, the boys have been exceptional. They've been absolutely exceptional. You've learnt a lot as well, I presume, in this season as well. Where, where does the future hold for you and um, Jermaine now? Uh, I presume, like all managers, um, you want to get back in. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, we, we, you know, we'll take a bit of time. You know, we'll look at what comes available to us, and you know, we'll make a decision. But you know, we're Do you think Herm Bay will be okay with to keep the same players for the rest of the season and from yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I spoke to all the players because all the players that are there is what me and Jermaine brought in. Mm. They all came with me and Jermaine. And, you know, I spoke to most of them and I said, look, work hard for the rest of the season, get your nuts down, keep playing, put yourself in the window. I said, and, and also, I said, you owe it to the board. I said to John and to Ron and to Bill to, to play the season and keep working hard. And for the fans, because there's some great fans at Herne Bay, you know what I mean? Like any club, you always get your odd few that, that just drive you nuts. Mm. But 
in general, the fans are brilliant, and, and they back the youngsters as well. And they've, they've really enjoyed the style of football the boys have played. You know, like they like to try and get the ball down and play at this level. And they've done that all the time, you know, relentlessly. Tough times there, Matt, for Herne Bay. Um, and John Embry there, you could, you could sense the disappointment in his voice of what's happened, but he believes that the players he brought to the club are all going to stick together and, and help them stay up. Yeah, I, I think they're in a good position. It's a good result there at the weekend. Um, I think, you know, he probably because they can't move on to other clubs anyway, but I, I think he, his final statement when he mentioned there about that, I brought those players in and I sold them to work out maybe for a chance at a different club last next year. Again, we haven't given Herne Bay the, the, player, the person he mentioned in there who sort of, you know, he was quite critical of to say his point of view. But it's coming to a boil, and it was a bit unnecessary how it was done, I think, over social media uh, from that point of view. Clearly, there's been issues with Herne Bay. They've gone down the model of the younger players, and with Jake Embry maybe leaving, maybe a catalyst for some of the supporters didn't like it. But it is it's disappointing. I think they've done a very good job, John Embry and Jake um, Jermaine Darlington, from that point of view. So it's a little bit difficult. It may be a, an interesting summer for Herne Bay to see what they do. You know, they get players in. But it's, it's a decent job. You know, Sam Belly did a decent job when he was there before. He went down a different route. But as he says, running a non-league club, you know, it's it's a labour of love. You're not going to make any money out of it or, or gain any money out of it. And maybe Herb Bay have, have realised that at this point. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It, it, it is hard financially. And, and times are, there are uncertain financial times um, in the country at the moment as things stand. And for people to take on a football club, you know, it's not easy. And, you know, you look at, uh, at the team they've got, there's a lot of young players in that Herne Bay team. Um, I should say, by the way, they won 2-0 at Whiteleaf, not 2-1. Uh, I got, did get that wrong earlier on. Um, but to, to maintain a team at that level doesn't come cheap. And if there's not anyone there put, putting that money in, then things do can, can become very strained. And, you know, full credit to those players. And, and do you know what, full credit to John Embry as well, because I thought he came across so well in that interview. When he said, you know, I've spoken to the players and the players still want to play, st- still want to play and, and carry on. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, both at Herne Bay and for John and Jermaine. Yeah, I, I would have thought that, as he said, players have been like managed, you know, 80 or games at that level, the experience they've got with the problems off the field. He's brought players through. Yeah, it will be interesting. I'm sure clubs, I don't know where he's based, I presume he's based in the Maidstone area, so he may go to another Kent club or he may go a bit further afield on the, on the M25. I'm sure other clubs will look at the, the job he's done and the way he comes across uh, and the way he um, shows himself. I think uh, he could be in for you know, get another job, not a problem. Herne Bay is a little bit of concern if they go down the committee route of maybe not paying players as well again. It'll be a really interesting summer for them, but... You know, they did so well to you know stabilising this division over the last couple of years. They've done that really well. Uncertain times, but I think um, by, you know, there's a lot of clubs who've got some money problems as well higher up the pyramid. I think yeah, eventually one of these clubs could go in one of those things. I hope Herne Bay won't do, but um, I'm sure the people at heart will try to make sure they will be playing um, Devon Bostick South Football next season. But an interesting summer awaits, I think. Well, and obviously we've already seen Thamesmead have have their troubles this season, so. You know, it does show that it is it is a pair of team at Herne Bay. You know that, that they've always been a club that at the heart of that town, I suppose, a little bit, and people do get behind them. We obviously spoke about the FA Vars at length, the Canterbury reaching the semi-finals, and same for so for Herne Bay a few years ago. They got there, and then, like you say, they they built under um, under Sam Denley, and then I think obviously he left, and I I think that was a difficult one for him as well because I think things were changing. He could see changes behind the scenes, maybe the sort of things that are going on now. Um, but 
surely there has to be a way that this club can can pull through this. Yeah, I'm sure there probably are people who, who want to, you know, what, what the expectations. They'll always be a Scaffold Club or a Devon Bostick South Club. They're never going to be higher at the pyramid unless somebody comes in with a lot of money. And I don't really think that will be the case from that point of view. It's just, you don't realise how lucky we are in the pyramid system here of how many clubs there are in in the local area, I think. But can they be supported by all? In, in these uncertain terms, it is, it is quite interesting to see. It just could be, a, I'm sure they'll be okay, but it, it's going to be a totally different 11 and on the bench next season than it is now, I would have thought. So, yeah, interesting times. We've seen the demise of Thamesmead. Let's hope Home Bay don't go down the same route. Yeah, exactly. In the league table at the moment, they are 16th, uh, seven points clear of uh, Greenwich, who are 19th, which we assume is going to be the relegation zone. So, um, they may well have, have, have done enough anyway, but then the problem it becomes. You know, if they do have a, a transitional period and, and bring in a whole new squad and, and it's not of the quality, the next season might just be a complete write-off for them. And if you have a bad season like that, then things can then it can have a really lasting effect on the club. Well, we, we thought the last season wasn't a write-off, but it was getting the experience for the players, and they've you know grew on it for this season. Basically, you've gone two steps forward and three steps back if they're going down that route. So, yeah, interesting times. Though. Hopefully, they, the communication could be a little bit better as well from that point of view the spats going on the press like that don't think it does the club too many favours so uh, hopefully they can do that in-house and when they've got something good to say then release the statements yeah elsewhere in that division uh, on Saturday Cray Wanderers could have been promoted on Saturday had results gone their way but they lost uh, 1-0 at Whitstable Town their third defeat of the season Harry Stannard with the goal in that one and the lead is now down to uh, 10 points but with, only, with the two teams closest to them only having four games left you would hope and think that's enough for Cray Wanderers. Ashford United, a point behind the Hastings and, Hors- and Horsham with five games left. They may still have, have dreams because they're in good form. And 3-0 winners uh, over Guernsey on uh, Saturday uh, were Ashford, Jay May, Jack McIntyre and, of course, Dan Parrish uh, on the score sheet. Do, do you think there's any chance that they can reel them in? No chance at all. Well, uh, no, it's not going to happen from that point of view. Cray, again, maybe having a little that blip. Every side has it. It's a good result for Whitstable, I have to say. Um, he seems to have turned their form around a little bit. Yeah, they could be from 2015. Yeah, they're, they're going to be. They're going to win the league. Um, just, I think they just want to get it out of the way now. Uh, from that disappointing couple of results, but they're good at home, and they've, got, and they've got plenty of games to play at home. So they'll they'll be champions, no doubt about that. Yeah, elsewhere on Saturday, Hythe were beaten five two at East Grinstead. Greenwich Borough beat Sittingbourne two one. Ramsgate lost 3-0 at Hastings. Sevenoaks lost 3-1 at Horsham. This hasn't gone well, has it? Uh, and Phoenix Sports lost 2-0 at Three Bridges. So, so far, it's all been Sussex beating Kent. However, VCD Athletic uh, beat Haywards Heath Town by three goals to nil. And we've already mentioned Whiteleaf's, uh, or Herne Bay's 2-0 win at Whiteleaf. And interestingly, Matt, VCD and Haywards Heath. Uh, if Haywards Heath had won that, there'd be nine points between the two teams. Uh, sorry, 12 points between the two teams in fifth and sixth. VCD now just six points outside the playoffs. Is it too late for a late charge? No, it was a good result at the weekend. I presume we was going top five, we'll be in the playoffs, and then they worry about it from after that. Yeah. No, well, you know, Hyde, you know, thinking about Hyde, what a poor season it's been for them. If they picked up a few more weeks, the results have been really poor of late. BCD have a chance, but Hayward Heath, as anybody says at this time, when you ask anybody, points in the bag is better than games in hand. Yeah, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, Hayward Heath hosts Whitstable. It's Herne Bay against Faversham. Hyde against Ashford, 
Phoenix Sports against East Grinstead, Ramsgate host VCD, Seven Oaks host Three Bridges, and Sittingbourne against Horsham. So a couple of big games in there. Herne Bay against Faversham and Hyde against Ashford particularly standing out. And then on Sunday, uh, Cray Wanderers are at home to Greenwich Borough, hoping that they can move a step closer to getting their hands on the... If they win, do they win the league? They do, do they? Uh, I don't think so, no, because I think Ashford can still get 76 points as things stand. Um, yeah. So if they win, they'll as long as Ashford have picked up as long as Ashford have won on Saturday, which isn't going to be the, uh, a, a certainty for them. Um, but no, it, and obviously Hastings and Horsham, uh, it would knock them out of contention if Cray yeah. wins. But if so, they would need Ashford to have slipped up on Saturday uh, if Cray to win the league on Sunday. We'll be keeping an eye on that one for you, and we will let you know on the Kent Non League Podcast Twitter account, which is at Kent Online Podcast. Um, we'll move up now to the Bostic League Premier Division where we have our second interview of this week's show um, third in the table 66 points 7 points clear of 6th uh, place Carl Shorten it's looking pretty good for Tumbridge Angels they're in good form they're unbeaten in 6 they've won their last 4 gave me a good opportunity to catch up with manager Steve McKim you had a great start a bit of a blip in the middle but you seem to be coming good now yeah the boys have turned it around and we, we made a couple of changes, brought a couple of different personnel in around the Christmas period, changed a bit of formation. Um, and like I say, we, we've tweaked a few things, but the boys got to take immense credit for uh, all the hard work they've put in to, to basically get us where we are now. Four wins in a row, one beaten in six. It's, it's all looking pretty good and you're hitting form at the right time. Yeah, we are. Um, and long may it continue. We've got some tough games coming up. Um, and as long as we can get the positive results out of it, out of them, because uh, teams in and around us, we should be in the playoffs at the end of the season. And everyone's going to look at the league, all teams, and think, well, maybe we could have won it if we didn't lose that game. Bottom line is, talking of it, the greatest bit of form after Christmas. I know we've had a great run, but they've hit the best bit of form after Christmas, winning 11 out of 11. And that's put them in the driving seat. So it's full credit to them and it's everyone else to catch them and, or try to catch them. And they've just kicked on and kicked on. So everybody in the league will look at games they should have won um, uh, or they shouldn't have drawn. But as I say, it's consistency and they've hit the consistent run of form at the right time. Um, but we're there or thereabouts. And as long as we can maintain that, we'll, we'll, we'll be pleased with a playoff spot at the end of the season. The last couple of months, the playoff race has been really, really tight. But your current run of form, you've opened up that little bit of a gap, haven't you? You're seven points in front of Carl Shorten in sixth. So it's all in your hands now. It is, and I've said that to the players. Uh, I said, don't look back at the end of the season after Potter's Bar thinking what could have been. Um, we're, we're in a, a good position at the moment. And it's only ourselves, and I include me and the staff in that, that can uh, uh, let it fall away from us. But I'm, I'm determined and the players are determined that we, we keep that playoff spot and we'll keep working as hard as we can to stay in there. Um, one, you said you're shaking a few things up. One bloke who's come in is Tom Derry. I understand he was funded by some Angels fans, but he scored some goals, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, he has. But the first one I look at is Deshaun Fierbolt. We got him in just before Christmas and I bet he wondered what he was coming into because we couldn't get a win in the first three games he was here. Um, and he, he was a bright spark for us and then obviously after Christmas he's gone from strength to strength and uh, Chinadu McKenzie he was the next one over the Christmas period um, and like I say unfortunately I had to release Tommy Whitnell who had been with me through thick and thin um, just to free up some funds to get that sniper in and Chin's come in and he scored some important goals and quite a number of goals I think it's eight he's got since he's been in with us seven or eight um, and Tom Berry obviously 
approached by a fan that said they'd fund his, fund his money and uh, outside of the 12th man and, and that was it and he came in and he scored some important goals as well so it was the right signings at the right time um, and they've gelled with, gelled with the group and, and kicked on so I say it's, it's pleasing that that's happened that way and obviously you've lost Tom Parkinson again to injuries it, it, a real blow for him because he, he seems to be continually having these battles doesn't he? Yeah, they're not they're not um, niggles rose out a few few mu- a few weeks at a time. You know, he had a, a horrendous challenge at Staines a couple of years ago, which didn't even get a talking to, and it, it broke his ankle. Um, they didn't they, they the surgeon that didn't do the right procedure with it, and he had to have, go back in when we thought he'd be back with us and have it rebroken, and reset. And he's been tremendous this season since he's come back, and then another naughty tackle that got unpunished. Um, has put him out again and like I say I feel for him because he's, he's such a good lad good captain the boys look up to him um, and it's just disappointing for him really and obviously he's involved in the academy as well and, and, and you're bringing some young boys through as well this season so it's, it's a double bonus yeah well, we've, always, we've always given given the young ones a chance if they're good enough um, if they're not good enough we, we try and give them a platform of going somewhere else to play um, to come back to us but you've got Callum, Callum Taylor Liam Smith um, they've been with me now for two years um, we've got like I say the academy young Josh young Ned they've been in and around it and like I say it was a right time to put Josh on you know it was a game where we thought we could give him some minutes and he didn't let himself down I thought, thought we'd done very well um, but again it comes down to the patient side of it and, and how patient these young boys can be some are some aren't some stay with us because they are patient and want to do the way we do it. The ones that don't end up going from club to club and, and, and that's their choice. But that's the individuals that, that choose that. We only tell them what we can do and they've got to trust us in the pathway we'll give them. Um, we don't promise them the world. We just promise them that they will get minutes and game time as and when we see fit. And it's up to them whether they want to be patient and wait for that chance. And like I say, Liam, Liam Smith's a prime example and Callum because they've played over 50. 50 games for us already in, in two seasons at 17, 18 years of age. So we do something right with the youngsters. But they, like I say, it's not for everybody because other, other people believe that the, the grass is greener somewhere else. Um, but no, Tom's got the academy going well. He's got some good young prospects in there. And as time goes on, bearing in mind they're only 16, 17, as time goes on, you'll probably see a few more come through. And just one, obviously, the, the playoffs are the aim. Do, do you know what's happening with super playoffs and bits and pieces like that? Or are you, or are you just going to focus on each game as it comes and see what happens? Each game as it comes, all I do know is that there's a semi-final, there's a final, and then there's a super final because only six teams come down from the two national south and north, um, whereas eight teams would have normally get promoted from the four feeder leagues. So that's all sorted out next year, but next year's too late, so... To get promoted this year, I believe, again, not looked into it in full detail because you've got to get there first. You've got to win three games to get promoted after the season finishes. And if we are in them playoff spots, we, we will take it and, and see how it goes from there. But you look too far ahead to take focus off what the next thing is and next game's leverage on Saturday. Well, it's, it's interesting, Matt, isn't it? Because he doesn't know what's going to happen with the playoffs. He says he's not worried too much about it at the moment. But first and foremost, his main aim is getting them in there and, and they're nearly there, aren't they? Yeah, fantastic run of form. Um, really, really good form. Their way of form is the best in the division. Home form, they seem to turn it around. They're not 
conceding goals. They've got players like Derry and McKenzie who score goals. I think we saw McKenzie's one of his goals of the weekend. You know, the goal he kicked it out to him and he's like 45 yards out. He pings it in the back of the net. So they are the form side in the division along with Dorking Wanderers who are going to win the league. But yeah, fantastic achievement for Tunbridge Angels. As you mentioned in that interview, started well, blipped off. And then they've carried it back on again. A little bit dip in the middle when Steve McKim admitted that he could have left the club, but um, he stayed in there. And I think it must be is it his third or fourth season there. So Tunbridge, as we have with Tommy Warlow, they keep managers for a long time, which probably shows in some ways they're a very well-run club off the pitch that give managers some time and respect. So, yeah, really good achievement to get into the playoffs. And hopefully, they got there a couple of seasons ago. I didn't think, I think they, they, they sort of went... A little bit of rise, I think they have to play away from home. But again, they'll be trying to finish in that top three to guarantee at least a, a home semi-final from that point of view. But yeah, really delighted for Steve McKim and I'm delighted for Tunbridge Angels as well. At the start of the season, would I have thought they'd have been the uh, top 10 side in this division uh, folks of the market as well? No, so uh, maximum respect for, for, uh, uh, for Steve McKim and Tunbridge Angels there. I think it's actually McKim's fifth season in charge there. Yeah, so yeah, so it's a long time. Yeah, yeah it's been so, there a long time, and and it's good to see that they've stuck with him because obviously he's, he's a, a big part of the club. And, and interesting, you know, talking about bringing the young players through. And I thought what he said about you know people will look back and say about winning the league and and what's not winning the league. He just said, well, Dorking have just been too good. They've gone on on such a good run. He's very grounded about it all, and I think he's almost still trying to play things down a little bit, but. I think in a in a playoff competition, you, you say about being at home, where well, their away form's better than their home form. So um, it could well be that they finish third and get a home semi final away in the in in the Bostic Premier Final, and then go to the to the next game, um, which is going to be the Super Final. There's going to be two of those, which we don't know who it'll be against. We don't know how it would work. But uh, if they go away from home in that game, I wouldn't actually bet against Tumbridge Angels. No, no. We'll have to try and work out how this is going to work because a lot of these games are used to be on a Saturday a week after the season. So it'd be another Saturday after that. So the season could be an extended, which doesn't really help clubs with their um, contract situation as well because normally after the second Saturday or the Saturday after the last game, that's when their contracts expire. But they'll, they'll work through that, yeah. But could they go anywhere, I suppose, on this if they're away from home? Well, that's the question, could isn't it? I mean, I, I really don't know how it's going to work. Um in, in the, the, the FA though that's the other thing <laughs> well does anyone know um, what's going to be going on but uh, as he said there unfortunately um, six eight doesn't go into six and and, it, and I thought it was quite funny when he said you know they, they're going to sort it out for next season but not it's going to be too late for us next year that's not this season so you know it's um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one and kind of looking forward to seeing how that pans out um, I don't know I'm just actually having a quick look now saying uh, do, 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 the Tony Kemp's used to do one of these things and me with all the top sides and how it works I've got something in front of me here so um, the step three divisional player winners will play a further match against each other the ties will be decided by a committee pairing clubs on the most suitable, suitable geographical basis so they're not going to be going up to the to the northern league they're going to be playing probably a team from the southern league I would suggest um, and seeing how that pans out but It'll be that. To be honest, although I think it's a silly system, I think it'll be a fascinating game of football. And I look back to the days when the the early days of the National League North and National League South, there was a Super Playoff then as well, um, where the winners of the playoffs played off against each other. I think Eastbourne Borough played in one of those. Yeah, I think they did. Stevenage, wouldn't it? When they did it through from there. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we're critical of how these things work, but it will it will be interesting and what a big game that could be for one of these sides to to do it but um, 
Yeah. Tommy James, I think even, you know, fingers crossed they can get promoted. Even though they don't get promoted but get into the playoffs, I think that's an excellent season from compared to what they did last year. So uh, definitely on the up. And Steve McKim, I think, is our manager on his up as well. Exactly. And talking of a, a team and managers on the up, uh, Margate continued their unbeaten start uh, to life under Jay Saunders with a 1-0 win over Kingstonian on Saturday. Up to 13th now, Gate. They're only a point behind Folkestone after this magnificent run of form. Uh, Noel Layton on target again. And Margate fans are starting to get a little bit twitchy because nothing's been confirmed about if Jay Saunders is going to be their manager for next season. Uh, they'd like to get that one done, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think on Jay Saunders' point of view, again, of course, you know he's in a position at Margate. They want him to do a job, but there could be other clubs who want him to do a job as well. So he's, his reputation, was it? a little bit soured after he left Maidstone, maybe a little bit for uh, the run that he went on before he lost his job, or particularly last season. But I think he's, uh, he's rising high as a manager now. Will there be higher clubs, particularly in the Conference South, who may want to take him? We know he's a Kent man. We know his allegiance is to Margate. Margate, if they do the ground, we'll wait to see if that actually happens as well. But they could be a club on the up. It'd be interesting to see. But he has got 100% support of the Margate fans, which is the most important thing. So just to see where he gets on. Yeah. Somebody has got a pizza in the office here, just wafting my way. Oh. Of course, unless I pick the uh, off, I'm never going to be able to have that. There's four pizzas in here. Oh, no. I'm gonna, that, what a nightmare that is for me. I'm going to have to pick off the uh, pizzas after I finish talking to you, John. There you go. So, go over there. Yes, Margate, Jay Saunders, I'm sure they've offered in terms. Will he take it? I'm sure he's just having a look at what's out there, but great job he's done. Well, he might have seen today a post on uh, social media from a club in the uh, on the south coast uh, in Sussex who are apparently uh, seeking applicants um, for their management. Who and they are seeking people who ideally have conference national experience. And you know, is that, it's that seem close to you, is it? Uh, very close to me. Yeah, so it's not too far. And, it, and you know, Margate's a bit of a schlep to get to if you live in the in the uh, west of Kent. So might even be looking at that one and thinking, could that be a project that I'm interested in? They do have a 3G pitch there as well. Uh, also Mark McGeenock doesn't want it then. Obviously not. Um, no. obviously, uh, also on Saturday, it was uh, folks in victory drew 2-2 at Potter's Bar Town. Uh, two late goals, Ira Jackson and Adi Yusuf in the 86th and 87th minutes, earning them a point. But uh, it's just come at the wrong time. For them. They have got Whitehawk at home on Saturday, uh, folks in victory, while Margate travelled to Bishop Stortford. And as Steve McKim mentioned, uh, Tumbridge Angels go to Leatherhead. Into the National League, where Maidstone United are staring down the barrel at home to Salford City on Saturday. And it's going to be a matter of uh, when rather than if, I think, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I think at one stage they were relegated when they went 1-0 down to Harrogate. But they had a good result there. A couple of cracking goals um, from Amazlaw, the sorry, how do you pronounce his name, um, from, uh, from Braintree. Yeah, they're, they're down. And again, you made that point on the show on Monday that... Braintree above them are relegated, but Maidstone who are below them in the league aren't. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's coming and Maidstone know it's been coming for a while. It's a big game on Saturday. Put down a marker against Salford. Salford, who I think, after Lake Norwich's defeat last night, may think they've got a chance to win the league as well. So um, yeah, big game. I'm sure the Maidstone fans will look to see uh, if they can put a performance in front of them. They the lost the last few home games without scoring a go again. So uh, yeah, they're down which is a real uh, real shame for them. But um, they'll be looking to regroup up. And I see John still hasn't been to many games. He's just uh, scouting again, isn't he? So um, I'm sure there'll be plenty. We mentioned Herne Bay might have a new team next season. I'm sure Maystone United, are gonna be, their signings are going to be at least 
15 or 16 new players and it'd be interesting to see who they can manage to bring in yeah exactly. and will they still full time that's another thing as well will they stay full time well, I would imagine that, that they, they would look to do that because obviously they've brought in John Steele, um, but it's going to be one of those things where they might have to assess it next season. If they don't start well, then then where do you go? That's that's the problem, isn't it? You know, if, if they if they look like they're going to be set for a couple of seasons at National League South level, then you do have to make those decisions, I suppose. Yeah, we've seen with Darth, though, when they, this season with the new management team, they've really tinkered with the team, very different from the one that started the season, players in and out, maybe made so, we'll look to do that as well. Who's going up, Torquay and Woking, will they be able to pick up some of their players? Probably not the Torquay players who are full-time, but Woking are part-time. Uh, some of the players, yeah, interesting times ahead for Maidstone, but I'm sure John Steele's got a big, big list of players. And Maidstone, if they do well next season, you know, you're guaranteed two and a half, three thousand every week. And that's a big call for some players. Uh, Bromley had an up and down week as they were leading very late uh, up at Salford on Saturday. Uh, but then goals from Maynard and Pond in the 94th minute, that goal um, from Pond gave Salford City a 2-1 win uh, after JJ Hooper's penalty five minutes from time had put Bromley ahead. Uh, but on Tuesday night, they bounced back with a 2-1 win um, over uh, Leighton Orient, the leaders, uh, Frankie Sutherland and Rico Hackett-Fairchild scoring the goals um, to give them a, a brilliant win um, over the team. And I was also confused as well because I saw that Coulson had scored for Leighton Orient. I thought, oh no, Luke's had a nightmare there. But no, it wasn't him. It was Josh Coulson. So there you go. Well, that's the kind of... But I always get them mixed up, Josh and Luke Coulson. And when I met him before, I asked him, he, well, actually, he said he wasn't. So, yeah. But no, that's a fantastic result for Bromley. 1-0 down. I know they had a player sent off early in the second half, Leighton Orient. But it shows that Bromley, you know, a bit unlucky, I think, against Salford as well. And Salford had that little bit extra if they went without five minutes to play. But Neil Smith will be absolutely delighted with that. What a result that is. Now they've got to build on that as well. Try and get five games to go. He'll try and get as many points on the board to move him up the division and try and improve on last year's finish. Where was Luffy's for eighth or ninth last year? So it might be difficult to improve on that. But he knows the pedigree of his squad, Neil Smith, and results like against Lake Norwich really do matter. Yeah, Ebbsfleet United beat Wrexham 4-2 on Saturday, um, despite another curious statement, which I'm going to be reading out, uh, which was posted on social media. Uh, the players have been made aware of information given by both Dr Abdullah Al-Humaydi and other positions of power um, employed by the football club that all players contracted will not be paid their wages from April over the summer months as punishments for going public with the statement uh, to Kent Online. The football club also plans to put all players contracted for next season on the transfer list. The football club are contractually obliged to pay players until the end date of their current contracts. This could have devastating consequences for the players and their families, potentially losing their family homes. There will be a document presented to the football club at 2pm this afternoon asking for a signature from the owner to confirm to players this will not happen. The players thank all fans for their continued support. The results and current league standing is a direct reflection of your passion to stand behind the, pl the players. Now, Epsom United players didn't even warm up on the pitch on Saturday, but they still went on and got that win. Um, phenomenal what those players are doing for the second season running, despite so many off-field issues. Yeah, I think you have to admire uh, Gary Hill, who's I think managed them very, very well. Um, we know, you know, we've known for a while there's problems at Epsleet. Um, and when he said that when they didn't have the insurance and they didn't pay them, they thought they would be. But again, it's on running and on running. And I see Kent online. We've done a brilliant job with this story all the way through. Uh, fair play to Steve Turvitt with this one. You know, saying that they, you know, been chucked out of their training ground as well because they haven't paid the bills from there. And uh, K Sports as well, which again something I had heard previously from various sources that maybe they might not be staying in there for next season as well. So, yeah, 
fantastic achievement. Once again, I think it could be a totally different absolute United next season. Um, again, the Kuwaiti money, has it run out or he's not interested? Nobody seems to know. The silence from the club is quite deafening, really. Um, the players have, I think, done a really good job. And if you're a football manager in the National League or leagues above, you look at these players, you know, the kind of characters we want, who plenty of issues are thrown their way. They've been in excellent form from this point of view and they can still get into the playoffs, particularly after Eastie's result last night. So, yeah, a fantastic achievement. Their goal difference is good. Actually, can they do it? No reason why not, but I'd be more concerned about the long-term future of the football club, unless somehow they can get promoted and then the uh, Kuwaitis are very quite happy to support a football league club. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's sad to see that they have been down this route before and... Uh, yeah, a, a difficult summer awaits, I'm sure. And some of these players, maybe they're contracted, and you know, I mentioned they're contracted, as their terms of that contract have been, have so many issues that they can get out of that contract. That could be interesting to see, but you may not find, we do know they pay decent wages at FC. You go to another club, then wages may not be the same. Well, exactly. Um, this weekend, there are some fixtures, but I suppose before that, we should talk about Dover Athletic, um, who drew 2-2 up at Solihull Moors. Um, yet again, the, the scores from Dover causing me to utter expletives as they were leading for most of that game there. Um, a couple of late goals have, have, have cost Dover lately, Matt, on the road. Yeah, I think, yeah, you look at it, particularly the last six weeks or so, they shouldn't have lost to Gateshead last minute, which they did. Lost to Harrogate last minute, which they did. Hartlepool, they shouldn't have lost that last minute, which they did. And this one. So you, if you pick up an extra four points, if you draw, if you... Well, that, they could have won on Saturday, couldn't it? So, that's an extra six points. We'd be home and dry, and I'll be dancing around this office I'm sitting in at the moment. Still, eight points clear, five games to go. Goal difference better than Havens. We'll give you an extra point on that. I'm still everybody saying to me, oh, patting me on the back when they see me, oh, you're staying up then, you're staying up. And, oh, I'm still a little bit concerned, but um, eight points. It was this time last week, eight points now, just a game less. So, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I... I after, well, basically, I'm still a little bit concerned, but from your point of John, not having a jot of love for Dover, or you might have a little bit of love because of me, do you think they're safe? Yeah, I, I do. And, and what I find most amusing about all of this is I've, I've joked before about how your rollercoaster of emotions depended on the results. Last week, you were high as a kite. Eight points was the gap. This week, you're down in the dumps about it. Eight points is still the gap. What's wrong with you, man? No, it, it would have been ten if we hadn't bloody, bloody if we hadn't conceding the last minute again. So that always thinks, oh, at least haven't only drew. It's just disappointing, you know. If it had been 10, you know, that's too much to, to handle what we'd have thought with, with five games to go. But again, we win at the weekend and it'll be high as a kite. But you're only a couple of defeats away starting um, squeaky bum time. So, um, yeah, I'm more happy when we win, you see, rather than drawing. Even though I'd have taken a draw against Sullivan beforehand. So, yeah, it's looking good, but... Yeah, got to play a straight bat, so to speak. Talking of cricket bats, John, yeah. this year, spoke to one of my mates this week. How much would you spend on a cricket bat? Uh, I think my last one was about 70 quid, and I'd, I'd say that's about the limit. 260 quid. This guy's not playing for Kent. He plays standard league, Kent league, Kent division eight, or whatever it is, whatever he loves his cricket. 260 pounds for a cricket bat. I nearly dropped my phone when he told me, and I was thinking... If you're not making hundreds week in, week out with that bit of willow, you really have been wasted. And I can't wait for I'll ring him up in the first game of the season and see when he gets the first ball luck, because that absolutely cracked me up. 
I'll tell you, if he's, if, if, if he can afford £260 for a cricket bat, you must certainly be doing very well at your quiz nights, um, shall we say. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> this weekend on Saturday, uh, Bromley are at home to Aldershot, who technically could be relegated on Saturday. Um, Dover Athletic are at home to Chesterfield, uh, where the Sports Hub is being hosted from uh, on Saturday on BBC Radio Kent, so you'll be able to listen to that. Uh, we've already mentioned that Maidstone take on Salford and Ebbsfleet go to Gateshead. And I don't know if you saw the tweet I put out the other day um, about Gateshead, Matt. Um, but as things stand, Gates said, don't have any kits for the weekend because they owe the local, local laundrette £1,000. So it's not just our clubs that have financial issues going on at the moment, is it? No, Gates said, I was just reading before we came to the, uh, uh, the pod as well, they, they were going to be taken over by someone who used to run Rochdale, um, who apparently is a football man, if you listen to all that, and he's pulled out as well. So basically, Gates said at Ebsley is the... Basic, that is the ultimate game of bringing out your buckets because Gates said players haven't been paid, Ebsley players haven't been paid, could we see no team turning up there in solidarity with each other? Because they are, it's just one of those crazy weekends on, from that point of view. So I'm thinking about this as well. You know, is it's quite, the National League is known as the AGM Cup because in certain times of the time, you do have clubs basically pulling out for the AGM because of financial constraints, etc. like that. Could it be, you know, fourth, fourth and bottom could survive in the National League if Gateshead or maybe Ebsleet have issues they can't actually carry on. Time will tell. Also on Tuesday night, uh, Mason United to take on Barnet and uh, Ebsfleet, if they've, if they've turned up and won on Saturday, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on the events at Brisbane Road, where Eastley, or the team above them's game in hand, takes place against Leighton Orient. So that should be an interesting game. Into the National League South, where I feel like we're neglecting this league almost every single week, Matt, because we just whip through the results in, in, in sort of no time at all. But... It's just same old, same old for our teams, isn't it? Dartford, although they uh, were held 1-1 by your mates Truro on Saturday, um, Welling were 1-0 winners at Gloucester, both in the playoff places. Not really a lot else to say, is there? Well, you know, they're on good form, aren't they, as well? Steve King's really turned it around. He brought somebody in last week, a player. Who did they bring in? Oh, the guy from... Um, scored a lot of goals for Braintree, then he went to Barnet. I can't remember his name, Mo something. Betterman, Mo Betterman, who's highly rated... Hasn't really worked out from a Barney. He's brought him in at Welling. He didn't score at the weekend, but they got it from there. Dartford, they have two draws on the spin, isn't it, at home? But they probably tailor their position is probably just going to be okay for the playoffs as well. A couple more wins would uh, help their cause. But yeah, this is the kind of this is the only league maybe with Tunbridge it's going to extend itself from maybe less absolutely go to the two uh, the middle of the uh, middle of May. So it'll be interesting times ahead. At the moment, Welling. Because my boys Woking have had a little bit of a blip. I see Welling play uh, Woking play Torquay this weekend. A lot of sides if they go in the playoffs, particularly with Steve King's experience, won't want to play Welling. So are we going to? We might lose a Kent side in the uh, National League, but could we gain another one with Welling? Well, exactly. It'd be interesting to see this weekend. Um, Welling are at home to Bath City, so that's a big game. While Dartford are on the road down to Western Supermare. Are they down yet, Western? They must be close. Uh, Western Supermare, by the looks of things, could be relegated this weekend. Uh, if results go against them and they lose against Dartford. Um, into the Southern Counties East League, where everything is still looking very, very tight. Lots of twists and turns, as always, at the top of the table. Uh, I'll start off by saying that how things stand at the top of the table after a busy week. Uh, Corinthians, 75 points from 32 games. Fisher, 74 points from 33. Cray Valley PM have 70 from 31. And Chatham Town have 69 from 32. And the reason that things have changed a little bit around there, well, shock defeats for both Chatham and Cray Valley at the weekend. Chatham beaten at home by AFC Croydon Athletic 
and an absolute result you never would have seen coming as Hollands and Blair beat Cray Valley 3-2. Um, and Corinthian, meanwhile, were 4-3 winners at K-Sports. They're right back in it now, aren't they? Yeah, I was shocked when I saw the, um, on Saturday evening, when I saw Cray Valley losing to Hollands and Blair. They were 2-1 up at half-time. It'd be like Rob Dimness, he's been around the house. I think he's the manager now, isn't it? Hollands and Blair. So, what a great result that is. And we thought Corinthian, um, had that little bit of a blip they lost the previous week. They come back scoring goals, 4-3. That's what you love about the uh, Scaffold League. Goals, goals, goals. Big night for um, Cray Valley tonight. They really need to uh, get a win on board. But yeah, Corinthian thought we thought, or oh, maybe they'd blown it a bit. That win them and Cray's defeat brings them back in it. And also bad about Punjab, John. They're getting hammered again. Are they going to stay up? Well, you would think the games in hand they've got, they've got three games in hand on Russell below them, but they've got to pick up some results from somewhere, haven't they? And Hollands and Blair, I mean, they play Canterbury City tonight, three games tonight, Beckenham Town against Chatham Town, uh, Canterbury against Hollands and Blair, and Cray Valley, against, uh, Cray Valley PM against Earth Town. But um, Hollands and Blair are uh, absolutely fantastic form at the moment, and uh, change of manager there seems to have certainly done the trick for them. Um, you mentioned Punjab there, Matt, they were beaten 5-1, as you said, at Beersted, and... and the games in hand are going to help them out, I think, but it's not the sort of form you want to have on your first season up. Other results on Saturday, it was Crober 1, Canterbury 1, Deal 2, Croydon 0, Irith Town beat Russell by 1 goal to 0, Fisher thumped Beckenham 4-0, it was Glebe 3, Lordswood 2, and Sheppey United were beaten 2-1 at home by Tunbridge Wells, which ties in nicely with Tuesday night's only game in that division, which finished Tunbridge Wells 1, Glebe 3. Um, as I say, that, that title race is still wide open, but... Corinthians seem to be just back in the ascendancy after those uh, results on on Saturday. Um, but we'll see what happens with those games on Wednesday night as well. Uh, this weekend in the scaffold, of course, we have a full programme of fixtures. It's AFC Croydon against Irith Town, Beckenham against Beersted, Canterbury City host Fisher, Corinthian take on Sheppey United, Cray Valley host Crowborough Athletic, Glebe against Chatham, Lauder against Dealtown, Punjab United take on K Sports, uh, Rustall host Croydon, and Tunbridge Wells meets in-form Hollands and Blair. And the title race in Division 1 as well continues to be very tight. Bryden Ropes um, beat, Irith, beat their title rivals Irith and Belvedere 3-1 on Wednesday night, but then failed to build on that with a 4-4 draw at home to Snodland Town on Saturday. Uh, Irith and Belvedere bounced back by beating Greenways 2-1, while Wellingtown uh, drew 0-0 at home to Kennington. All of a sudden, Irith and Belvedere, if they'd won that game on, on Tuesday night, they'd only be a point behind uh, Wellingtown uh, with uh, with two games in hand. As it is, they're four points behind with two games in hand. I'm still putting my money in Irith and Belvedere to get to take at least one of these promotion spots. And then it's in between uh, Wellington and Bryden Ropes for the second, Matt. Yeah, Wellington was way clear at one stage. I think they won the first 15 or so games. It was ridiculous, didn't they? But they've really sort of had a bit of a, a bit of a blip. You have to say, from a scaffold point of view, the Marmite Peter about a scaffold, they... It, you know, it, it's a good season for them. You've got Craig going to Wembley and both divisions at either end, top and bottom, are going to the wire. And I think they'll be absolutely delighted with that. And I think it's a fair play to the people who organise it. They must be absolutely delighted what the schedule's going to be like this season. It's going to the wire this completely. Yeah, other Division 1 results last week. Uh, on Wednesday night, it was Stansfeld 2, Sutton Athletic 7. Uh, FC Elmstead 5, Meridian VP 1 on Saturday. Homestale 0, Forest, Forest Hill Park 1. Lewisham Borough 4, Stansfeld 3. Um, Lidtown 2, Camp Football United 2, Phoenix Sports Reserves 0, Sutton Athletic 4. And we've already mentioned the Wellingtown game. Rochester against Sporting Club Timothy was postponed in that. Uh, but Rochester are in action on uh, Wednesday night as they travel to Homesdale while Forest Hill Park take on Stansfeld. Uh, and this weekend, 
uh, in the Scaffold Division 1. It's Forest Hill Park against Lid, Greenways against Sutton Athletic, Kennington against Sirith and Belvedere, Kent Football United against Holmesdale, Meridian VP against Phoenix Sports Reserves, Rochester United against Bryden Ropes, Snodland Town against FC Elmstead and SC Thamesmead against Lewisham Borough. There are also games uh, next Tuesday in both divisions, Corinthian against Canterbury, Deal against Chatham, Punjab against Cray Valley uh, and then in the first division, Irith and Belvedere against FC Elmstead and Stansfeld against Phoenix Sports Reserves and, and a chance for these teams to make up the games because Wellington aren't playing over the weekend. Uh, so that could th- this time next week, things could look very different at the top of the um First Division for the first time uh, this season. Anyway, that is it for this week's Kent Only podcast. What a long episode. Bumper one today, isn't it? Uh, absolute bumper. I, I don't really understand how it's, how it's worked out to be so long, but uh, it's all that pizza, Matt. You, you're deliberately let's, talking. Let's go on now. No, I thought I was... I think they've taken the pizza away from me because I was going to pick it off and not eat the base, but I think it's gone now, so... That's a blow, isn't it? Absolute blow. But again, I'm doing it for Lent and I haven't eaten bread yet and I'm not going to start now. What a man you are, Matt. You're yeah. uh, you're a marvellous, marvellous man. Um, anyway, yeah, that is it for this week's Kent Only Podcast. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook, you can find us at Kent Non-League. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I've done that plug for a while. Um, I'm at John Phipps 81 uh, no H in John. And Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. I'm always jealous of people who don't have to have numbers after their names on Twitter. I'm very jealous, Matt. Um, there's only one famous, there's a famous musician called Matthew Gerard. If you Google him, he's only, you know, you Google yourself. And uh, basically he does, he does a lot of work with Miley Cyrus, I think. And occasionally I'll get emails saying, when do you want your next recording studio? There you go. Useless information fact. He's a Canadian re- record producer and songwriter, and if we hadn't already done well over an hour of Kent Only podcast, we would be looking at that. But we will, I will definitely make a note of that one for next week's show. We'll be discussing famous people called Gerard. I think there's only this fella called Matthew and my co-host. I've never heard of anyone else uh, no. famous at oh, all who, who would fall over uh, when you might want to win a league title. Anyway, we'll discuss that on next week's uh, Kent Only podcast, which will be with you next week. Thanks for listening. £250 on a cricket bat? What a fool!